Hey team, Richard Tubb here, back again with a new episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, what happens when you run a successful MSP long enough to be able to not only give casual advice and guidance to your peers, but actually create a complementary business to do that professionally? Well, today I'm joined by Darren Strong, who not only is the Managing Director of Focus Technology Solutions, a managed service provider based in the north of England, uh, but Darren has also built and managed multiple MSPs and additionally has recently founded Scalable MSP, who consult, configure and implement established MSP best practices to help manage service provider businesses accelerate their profit. Darren, welcome to TubTalk. Hello there. Thank you for having me, Richard. My pleasure. Well, when I said you're in the north of England, obviously I'm at home in the studio garage in uh, Newcastle upon Tyne in the northeast. Remind us where you are. It's Skelmersdale, isn't it? Yeah. So but people probably know Wigan better. Uh, yeah. You know, Wigan are famous for pies, uh, which is basically bang in the middle of Manchester and Liverpool. So we're really situated bang on the M6. So we're, we're very good for travel, to be honest. Yeah. And and where were you from originally? You're from that part of the world or? Yeah. Yeah, I am from Wigan. Yeah. I mean, you can't hide the, the Wigan accent. So it, <laughs> it stands, out, say, stands out a mile. I'm very familiar with Wigan. And the reason I ask that is we have when we have Brits on the podcast with regional accents like you and I, uh, we often get a lot of the North American listeners trying to work out what the different accents are. So there you go. If you're playing sort of um, uh, uh, lingo uh, Bingo, I guess it is with the uh, British yeah. accent. There, you could, you've got another one, the North of England, to uh, to tick off. Yeah, there. Some, some some people call it Wiganese, so they, they, Wiganese. Even, they even made a, a, an app for it, and you can search on Google for, for all the slang. <laughs> well, I know Wigan very well. When I ran my MSP business, we used to have an awful lot of business. Even though we were based in in Birmingham, we used to have an awful lot of business in the northwest, and especially around Wigan and Warrington and that sort of area. So I know the area incredibly well there, Darren. But anyway. I'm waffling. Let's get straight into the conversation here. I guess tell us a little bit about your MSP journey, first of all. So I mentioned Focus Technology Solutions. It's just the latest MSP that you've helped build, right? That's right. Yeah. So started off actually doing MSP for, for education. So I started off in schools and university. Then I went into corporate world. And then I went from a 240-man IT team down to a, a seven-man MSP. Took a big plunge. Uh, then I was there 15 years uh, and got very well looked after. Uh, that's where we went from a Bisport system into ConnectWise, joined that ecosystem, and in turn, we then joined HTG, the peer group that's now called Evolve. And that's really where uh, sort of cut my teeth as, as such. You know, the business went through lots of different transitions around M&A, struggling financially, then building back up the maturity listening to the peer group, using financial metrics to run the business and and really uh, really got high exposure, to be honest, because when I joined the peer group, which was HTG, I was the only person in two groups, so the only person around 26 businesses that wasn't an owner. So everybody else in the room was an owner of the business and, and I was this little technical person that was trying to learn what was going on. Uh, and then off the back of that, I then started facilitating for the peer group uh, start facilitating the service exec and the technical managers uh, and then went on to do the principals as well. Uh, and then from there, I went on and joined a business down south and became the MD of that MSP, helped to grow the sales and marketing team there and, and really thrive 
the the net new business. So we went from taking on very little to sort of two a month uh, and really creating that sales engine. Because t- until then, I was a proven technical person, yeah. you know, operational and operation manager, but not really sales. So that was where I sort of cut my teeth in sales. Uh, and then we started Focus. So Focus started two two weeks before COVID. Uh, so I started the business. for an easy job <laughs> and then COVID hit. So that was an interesting ride. Yeah. Uh, but actually, we would we, we it really helped us because a lot of MSPs in the area just couldn't change and navigate that that change really that was going on in the business world. And they didn't have enough resource to cope with that demand. So we won some business off the back of that. Uh, and then it was only actually the peer groups that uh, were really pushing me to say, you know, why did you start this MSP? And I was like, well, I've started this MSP because I probably for the last 10 years I wanted to do it, but never really done it. Uh, and moving back up north, gave me that opportunity. Uh, but they were like, you know, actually, you should just start a consultancy business because we want you to help us to do what you've done in other businesses for us. So I started doing that a little bit to sort of really support the revenue for the MSP, to be honest, to get it off the ground. And then that's just really took off. So it it took off from a point of view of everyone spreading that word around the peer groups. Uh, And then we decided to create a brand at the back of that. Uh, So, yeah, so I spend 95% of my time in in scalable and, and consulting now. Wow, it's a wonderful story and, and kudos on everything you've achieved. I know you've got a really strong reputation uh, within the peer groups and amongst your uh, peers and uh, the industry as a whole. So uh, thank you for all you're doing for the wider community. I, I we'll, we'll delve into Scalable in a little bit, but I want to just go back to what you talked about. So for long-time listeners to the show will know my MSP, um, we were involved in HTG, Heartlands Technology Group, yep. as it was called way back in the day. I don't think you or I ever crossed paths at that point did we you were you were a little no bit- i think we maybe passed in the dark i think you left as i joined i think that was that sort of timing yeah but for, for anybody unfamiliar with htg which is now known as uh, connectwise it evolve back in tub talk episode 117 uh earlier no it was at this time last year in fact uh, i interviewed dan scott who's another former msp who now heads up connectwise's it evolve community um tell us a little bit more about that community before we move on because obviously it's a big part of your uh growth journey on that uh, for the past four years i know that you you mentioned you've been a facilitator uh, for the ConnectWise IT Evolve peer groups and things of that nature. For anybody not familiar with IT Evolve, tell us a bit more about what it is and what your role within that organization entailed up until you uh, it changed. Yeah, so I think I really, uh, really sort of joined in it and really got embedded in it for two reasons, I think. One is because uh, it matches one of my values, which is go-giver. And that's yes. the biggest philosophy is, you know, you you give to not receive and actually you will receive because of that. So there's a big area around go-giver and there's a, there's a book on that as well. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, in my first MSP where I was there 15 years, my second MSP, sorry, I was there 15 years, the owner of that business was very data analytical. So I'd been brought up in this world of what does the data say? And that's exactly what Evolve is. So it's all about financial benchmarking, data and KPIs. And that then cuts through the waffle. It cuts through that image that you might want to portray because actually I've got your financial P&L in front of me and you're telling me your business is amazing, but yet I can see all these pictures from your financial information that tell me a different story. And so then there's this big openness in the room about sharing that story and let's dig into these numbers. Let's help you to succeed. And let's, let's just be honest in the room. 
Uh, and then I think the third thing that you get out of it is the relationships. So the relationships that I've built up over the, I think it's 12 years-ish that I've been a part of that peer group. You know, when I started my MSP focus, you ring people and you instantly get all the information, all the materials that could have cost them fortunes to create and build and blood, sweat and tears. You get it handed to you on a plate. And, and that's really what... You know, the biggest thing I hear from the community and Evolve is the relationship, because actually it's a lonely place being an owner of a business. Agreed. There's not many people you can talk to that know your situation. There's other business owners, but they don't know the MSP world. Yes, you've got your spouse, but they may not know what the IT world and what this lingo is you're coming out with. And your team, you can share with certain information with your team, but some of the information that we went through in, in the second MSP around that financial difficulty, some of it you can actually share. Some of it we did, some of it we didn't. So you, in that community, uh, you probably get, I would say, 50 to 60% of value in the room and the other 40 to 50% at the bar and at the yeah. restaurant. Yeah, That's where we, as UK people we dig in a lot deeper one-to-one -one than what we do in a room and we show a lot more in that way and those conversations you have uh even around personal lives you know your personal life evolves into your business life even though you try and keep it separate the two will impact each other so you really build up some really good friends in, in that period um, and i would say that's the biggest value that you get actually is, is the relationships uh, but the the structure of the peer group is all about financial information. So you fill in your financial information. You also do a board report. So you then get 10 to 11 other businesses that become your non-execs. And like I say, you can't try and cover up what's going on because they've got enough information in front of them to say what's right and what's wrong. Uh, you know, and we've even got little red cards and green cards that we throw at each other when, we, you know, we, we smell something not quite right. Yeah, it's it's such a wonderful organization. Um, you know, again, long-time listeners to the show will know that I've speak spoken very, very highly about HTG, Connectwise uh, IT Evolve uh, now. And you talked about the relationships. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, I had my really close friend, uh, Raja Pagadala of the final yes. step in uh, London. Good friend of mine um, as well. Yeah, so Raja was on the podcast and we were talking about he and I, you know, first met, uh, we were the first two members of HTG in the UK. And, um, you know, uh, going on from there, and it was like a lifelong uh, relationship afterwards. Raja recently, of course, sold uh, the final step and gone on to the next stage of his journey on that. But those relationships you build are just so important. And as you say, you know, being an MSP owner, it can be a lonely job, can't it? So just having somebody who understands what you're talking about and is available at the other end of a phone or just to have a conversation with is uh, wonderful. I, I want to give a shout out as well, uh, Darren. I Barely a podcast episode goes by, it seems, where I don't speak to somebody who's been highly influenced by The Go-Giver uh, by Bob Berg. Yes. Uh, and, and of course, it's a you know a life changing book for me. Uh, I've become friends with Bob and uh, had him on the podcast. It was back on Tub Talk forty three. So, listeners, if you're still interested, it's like what on earth are they keep mentioning this book, The Go Giver? A, go and read it, but B, go and check out Tub Talk forty three. And I have a conversation with Bob about how being a go giver can increase your sales, but fundamental to a lot of the most progressive MSPs I come across uh, their growth journey as well so talking of growth journeys uh darren i guess that brings us up to you know today what led to you founding scalable msp you've said 
some of your peers said to you, you really ought to be doing this. But what was the the real catalyst for it? I think it goes back down to that that go-giver. You know, I want to give back to the community and I wanted to help some of those relationships to do better. And, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I've been around and seen some best practices and I've got some ideas of what's good and what's bad. Uh, and, you know, people seem to really uh, switch on to those ideas that I had. So then it was just helping relationships at first. And then off the back of that, it, it's then born into a, a, a brand, a structure, uh, and and a team. So we're, we're not, you know, it's not just me consulting. We have multiple consultants. We've got engineers. So we've got a whole structure that's being designed at the back of us. And we're, we're very much building and growing that and uh, accelerating the growth of that. Uh, and, you know, our MSPs that we help our partners, they they all have what we see in the peer group. They all have similar issues. They all have the similar things that are going on at different parts of their journey, depending on what part they're at or what ceiling they've hit. Uh, so we can create a lot of structure and a lot of frameworks around that to, to help them to get past it. Yeah. And the type of MSPs that you work with, um, who are they? Where are they geographically located? What sort of size are they? So the Roughly around 10, new, 10 people in the business, up to 250 people. Uh, we've got some that are you know, emerging and trying to grow, trying to get past that sort of 1.8, 2 million turnover. And then we've got other partners that are doing M&As. So we're helping them strategically to do the integration of those M&As around the culture and the systems and bringing that together. So we've got quite a diverse range of MSPs, uh, mostly based in the UK. We've got one based in Guernsey, one based in Ireland, uh, but most of our, our work is in the UK, on the UK time zone. Uh, actually, last month, we picked up our first US business. Oh, cool. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Can you give us some examples of the type of work, the recent engagements you've had with MSPs? Because I know, knowing you a little bit for a while, you've your breadth of knowledge is huge, you know, so you could, I'm guessing you could help MSPs with nearly every type of issue they've come across, given your experience in the peer groups and, and the facilitation that you've done. Give us some examples of recent engagements to give listeners a, a sort of flavour for the work where you can help them. Yeah, and we've also built that up with a consulting team as well. So each consultants have almost got a specialist area. So, uh, you know, so, some have got more financial backing, some have got more leadership backing. So we've got sort of a structure to help them with any of their issues. Uh, I'd say the most common thing that we start off with is that in any engagement is when you peel back the onion of the issues that they're having, actually they're just the effect of the issue. And most mm. of the time it comes down to, Actually, we don't know what we sell, deliver, and more importantly, what we don't do. And so we call that a service catalogue. So they don't have a documented service catalogue that says, here's all the different services we deliver, how we deliver them, how we sell them, how we financial uh, invoice them, and what are our conditions and what actually do we not do. So typically, we'll see a lot of money being left on the table because when we don't know what we do, we do everything. Yeah. And so then we're not charging enough of the project work because actually everything just appears contractual. And you get a lot of Chinese whispers as, as an MSP grows. And so your, what you think is your IT contract actually isn't what's being delivered. Uh, and so creating clarity on paper for all the different departments about what are those core services typically is one of our first engagements we do when we've started to peel back the onion. Because a lot of our partners have started off with principal-led selling. So it's the owner that's selling and they've got a lot of moving parts, a lot of autonomy and authority in the business so they can sell what they want. 
And so they sell lots of different versions of everything that they do. And that creates a lot of issues when you look at operational delivery. Yeah. I remember back when I used to run the MSP business, we used to have uh, a chart up on the walls, Darren, which basically said all the services we we sold across the top and then all the clients that we had down the left-hand side. It was really rudimentary. And I'm sure you did, you know, do, do something a lot more sophisticated, but it was just to give us an idea of which clients took which services and to give us an overview of the money we were leaving on the table. You know, some clients weren't yep. taking some services. Now, I know you mentioned, you know, clients have got different types of contracts and things of that nature, but uh, it's fundamental, isn't it? And back when I used to do MSP coaching, which I don't anymore refer on to people like yourself, but, um, you know, it's surprising how a business grows without intention, really, isn't it? How it can just grow without the, the owner really knowing what's going on. Yeah, and, and you know we've all we've all done it. We've all delivered something on the service desk that we shouldn't have delivered. It went wrong. Now the customer's really upset. Now they're pulling you through the fire, and you're going to meetings because of that thing that you shouldn't have actually done in the first place. And you're thinking to yourself, why was this even done? We've all been there and done that. So how do you create that clarity across the business? Uh, and then typically that then rolls into what's in the PSA. So we then start to reconfigure all the contractual information in the PSA that then gets you that report that you just talked about, which we would call a cross-selling report. So that then identifies all the white space that you can then go and target with your strategic business reviews as almost like a ninja to sell those cross-sell and obviously increase the revenue off the same client base and the same uh, relationships that you've always got rather than going after the net new business, which is so much harder. Yeah. Now, I think I know the answer to this one, just to go off topic a little bit. But while we're on the subject of PFA, PSA, professional service automation, I get a, a huge number of MSPs get in touch with me, whether it be ConnectWise, Autotask, uh, you know, SuperOps, Halo, whatever it is. And they'll say, hey, can you recommend to us a consultant who can help us configure the PSA tool? And of course, there's a few people out there that do it. But I'm a strong believer in, you know, it's the business processes that should drive the PSA uh, setup there. So for anybody listening to this and going, oh, great, Darren and the team at Scalable PSA Consultants, what would you what would you say to that? And what would you say about the relationship between business structure, business processes and the PSA tool? I would definitely say you're right. Yeah. I mean, you know, at one time in my career, I, I was always told that if I died, it would say on my gravestone, Darren was amazing at process, you know. If you can't, there's very few things that you can't fix with process. So it definitely comes down to that. You know, in the consulting business and the partners we've been working with over the last few years, typically they come telling us the PSA isn't working and maybe it's the wrong tool when actually they're using 10% of the tool. Mm. You know, it's a very expensive CRM system or a very expensive ticketing system. And actually they've not diversified the business to use the tool. You know, I came from an MSP where we had a bespoke system that was handwritten for us. We could then manipulate that to do whatever we wanted, change the processes and do what we wanted. But that actually caused issues. So I'm actually a big believer of buying a PSA that's used and developed by MSPs uh, and used in the community and then change your business to fit that PSA system. You know, if you're going to go and buy something off the shelf, you need to fit to that operating system you can't go trying to bend it yeah there are some things that you can change but the fundamentals have got to run in line with the system and there are so many people psas and rmm are probably the top two that become very expensive tools because they're only used 10 percent because we move on to the next shiny object and we don't go back and finish that project 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's change tax a little bit. You've already talked uh, about how you help MSPs. Is there a way that MSPs can almost benchmark where they are? So something I've come across is the OML, operational maturity level. Is that something that you use within business? Perhaps you could explain to listeners how you help MSPs benchmark their their, uh, progress. We do, yeah. So that actually starts our engagement. So all our engagements start off with a, an audit of your core systems, so your PSA, your RMM, your documentation system, etc. And we bench that, that against the OML framework. So that starts off OML 1 to OML 5. So OML 1, you, you've really start up the business you're beginning the business you're trying to get clients as your ultimate aim and OML 4 and 5 is where we're really just tweaking the system we've optimized it to the maximum we're working on the business we're not a key function inside the business we've got leadership teams we've got processes we've got scorecards you know everyone knows which way we're rowing and how we're going to get there that then means that when you do decide there's a next chapter and that business is sold the the uh it actually is a sellable business yeah. you know if if you're at OML one and OML two uh and even some of OML three you're too much of a key function inside that business and without you there is no business and so then there is nothing to sell so most people want that business to be sellable at the end and also you want a bit of time back in your world you know most MSP owners are working 60 70 hours a week um you know, they're up against it, the blood pressure's boiling, they don't spend any time with their family. At some point, you want to start back, backing off from that, but you still want the business to grow. And the only way of doing that is the right people in the business, in the right seats and the right structure. And that's what the OML is all about. It's all about how do you create a repeatable process structure that's growing at the right pace with the right people with not a lot of day-to-day involvement from you. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Now, when going back many, many years now, I think it was probably before the OML model, operational maturity level model sort of uh, came into existence or wasn't really used in the managed service industry. And uh, one of my great mentors and, and friends, uh, Arlen Sorensen, who was the founder of HTG, and of course, I know you know very well as well, Darren. Um, Arlen sort of taught me, hey, here's what's the the biggest pain points at each stage of growth so up until sort of 1.3 million um you know it tends to be process then it tends to be vendor relationships and so on and so forth what are the typical issues you're seeing msps of different sizes encounter at this stage you've already mentioned perhaps almost they can be a single point of failure the principle in the business under a certain size but when they get beyond that what are the other uh, major issues that you see msps facing I always have two big issues when you're growing, you know, up from that 1 million, 2 million, 3 million sort of mark. Uh, Typically, the owner is a technical person. Mm. And so it's very easy for you to get involved in technical issues and technical resolution and technical process creation, because that's where you sit, you know, from your background. And that's where you're very, you, you become very at ease doing that type of thing. You potentially and probably don't do the same for the rest of your business. So I would say that, the key focus to grow your business is definitely 100% don't get involved in technical. You need to put the right structure in technical and move away from it. You know, it needs to be a sales and marketing led organization and structure around that. Uh, and then once you've got that working, it's then getting, again, the leadership team in that area, getting the repeatable structure, getting scorecards in, in place. Uh, and, and yeah, very much 
becoming more of a mentor for the individuals in the business. Um, you know, my last, uh, my mentor now and my last uh, leader that I worked in MSP with, uh, he would spend 95% of his day with people. Mm. You know, that's what he did. He he mentored people. He went for coffees. He went for chats. He listened to what they had to say. He then give them some advice. Um, that's where you're then building that leadership team and building that success. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So for any, anybody listening to this who's thinking, oh, Darren's got a wealth of knowledge here. How do we tap into it? We, we'll make sure before we uh, uh, finish our conversation today to give Darren's contact details so you can reach out and have the conversation with him about how Darren and the team at Scalable may be able to help you. But Darren, I'm, I'm going to play sort of devil's advocate here, um, you know, the, the, the sticky wicket sort of thing. There's going to be some MSPs who are listening to this, but perhaps might be concerned about a potential conflict of interests of working with someone like yourself, who's an MSP coach, and I use that term sort of uh, uh, vaguely there because I know you're much more than that, but someone who's also actively involved in running uh, an MSP interest at the moment. What would you say to people with those sort of concerns? Yeah, definitely a a question that comes up a lot. Uh, I would say, you know, some people have said to me, why don't you sell it? Uh, I would say there's two things to that. One, I still enjoy it. So I still enjoy seeing that grow. Secondly, the biggest thing for anyone coming on to us with consulting is what makes us different. So what makes us different is we have multiple frameworks and we execute it for you. Uh, So a lot of consultants have one framework and you have to still do what they tell you. So they're going to teach you and you have to do it. So we do the execution. But also the reason why we have multiple frameworks is because that's actually being done in, in our MSP. So if you go and work in with a consultant that maybe sold his MSP, let's say, four years ago, well, he hasn't experienced COVID. He hasn't experienced remote working. He hasn't experienced the current security differences that are happening in, in the industry. And he hasn't experienced the problems that everyone's got with resource and hiring good talent. That's the reason why we still run our current MSP, because actually it keeps us in, in, in touch with what's going on, keeps us in touch with all the vendors, the structure, the processes, the people uh, and the peer groups. You know, we're a part of all those peer groups and that that's what keeps our knowledge up there. So we're not teaching and executing on five year old structure. We're doing what works today. And my MSP last year grew by 36 uh, percent. That to me, says that's the reason why we do consulting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm also going to say, in my experience, the people who are concerned about conflict of interest working with someone, in other words, you're, they're worried that you're going to steal all of their uh, trade secrets and, st- and stuff and run off with it. That's a fairly close-minded attitude. I think this industry as a whole, as you've already talked about, Darren, within uh, IT Evolve and within so many peer groups, the Tech Tribe and uh, you know so many others that are out there, people give freely of their time and experience to help others because it's that whole idea of a rising tide lifts all boats, isn't it? It's not about you know, uh, proprietary knowledge and beating the competition. Uh, the managed service industry is very unusual in that competition so-called competition works together for the betterment of the whole industry is that that been sort of your uh, experience as well yeah definitely you know and and you know there's msps in my local area that i've not even heard of yet you know and yeah. i've been doing this so long uh there's so many fish in the sea we're not interested in in that data we're not interested in that client base you know we we have enough opportunity in doing what we do as a business and the whole scalable team 
is totally segregated from the MSP. So there's no crossover in resources that would even think about doing that because the people that are in Scalable are completely focused on making other MSPs better and how do we succeed doing that for our partners. Uh, so, yeah, I would say it's actually a USP because it keeps us in touch with everything that's going on, keeps all those vendor relationships that I've built over the over the years. So then I can bring that to the partner base. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. How do you find juggling your responsibilities at Scalable and the MSP Focus Technology Solutions? Yeah, interesting question, which I get asked quite a lot as well. So the Focus MSP, I I started it from day one that it was going to be bigger than it was. So the processes and the structure was there from day one and it had to survive without me being there because mm. I was always involved in the peer groups with facilitating. So I would go away for weeks on end and not be available for that MSP because I'd be in a room sealed off. Uh, and so it was built and structured that way. So I only spend about 5% of my time in the MSP and that's again, just uh, mentoring and building the strategy. Everything else is executed by the team. So again, we're sort of eating our own dog food. You know, what we tell MSPs to do about getting out of the way and working on the business is that exactly what we're doing with our own MSP. Yeah, that makes an awful lot of sense. And I know, Darren, there's going to be a lot of MSPs listening to this and going, I really like the idea of doing that, a business that sort of runs itself. And you're the living proof that, hey, you can you can do it as well. So I guess as, as we sort of uh, round up the conversation just about the advice for MSPs, for any MSPs listening to this, what's the number one thing you suggest they need to have absolutely nailed down in their business to give them the best chance of growth and success? So I would say this time of year, for most MSPs, the biggest thing they need to do is kick the year off right. So you've got to go into 2024 knowing exactly where you are now this year, where is your target for the next five, 10 years, and what does next year look like? And then work out a plan of clearly communicating that to the team and getting everybody in the rowing in the same direction to make sure 2024 is a success. So many MSPs either don't do it or they do it in two months after the new year. Uh, so even if your financial year isn't a calendar year and it's uh, April to March, it's still a good time to start planning for that and kicking that off right. So then you can do February rather than uh, December or January. But I think, uh, you know, kicking the year off right and looking at your financials, looking at what your sales commission is going to look like. What are your services? Do your service match your client persona? Is a cross-selling opportunities? What does marketing look like? What's your operation team look like? What's the resource availability going to look like for the next 12 months? Planning that out and communicating that well to the team will make sure that you all row in the same direction and you all get to the end goal rather than you trying to carry it on your back for the next 12 months. Yeah, good advice. Selfish question. We recently changed our uh, accounting uh, year to be annual, like the calendar year as opposed to uh, tax. So, and the reason we did it is for everything you've just mentioned there. Is that something you recommend to people to look at to to enable them to get the sort of uh, ducks in a row, so to speak? Uh, I work with lots of partners that do it either way. Uh, yeah. I don't see any issue with, with either, as long as you know where you are and what quarter you're on. Yeah. Uh, Evolve the peer group works on the yearly calendar uh, and the MSPs I've always been in have always been on the March, April calendar. So I'm mm. used to it. So I, it's actually really good because when they're doing Q4, which is planning for the next year, we're actually a quarter ahead 
So we actually have longer to work it out because it's put in your mind sooner. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think it's a benefit rather than negative. Uh, but yeah, I've worked in both, both different type of businesses. Uh, our partners are like that. So yeah, I think as long as you just know where you are and you've got a plan for that and you've got a structure, yeah, I don't think there's a benefit either way. Yeah. And for the benefit of listeners, you've just heard one of the secrets to why I run this podcast. I get to ask personal consulting questions of people like Darren Strong here and get the answers free on air. On air. <laughs> but there you go. One of the reasons I run the podcast here. Hey, Darren, as we come to the sort of the end of our time together, I want to find out a little bit more about you, let the listeners to get to know you a little bit. We've already talked about mentors, influencers. I've mentioned a couple of mine who are perhaps in your sphere as well. But who does Darren Strong consider to be his mentors or influencers yeah so i've got a couple that have actually come from the peer group uh Ooh. that's you know where i built those relationships uh so you know uh, there's one in the u.s called Steve that you may have heard of he runs uh, he helps to run a sales team in, in the u.s for an msp so he's a big part of the peer group in the u.s uh, and another one in the uk is a gentleman called mick patel who i know you know yes. he runs an msp in london uh, so he was in the same peer group I was, built up quite a good relationship with me. And he just thinks slightly differently than I do, but he knows all the same language and the same structure as I do. So he's very good at uh, giving me the answer to a problem of that tool that you know you should be using. That's now when you should dust it off and start to use it. Uh, and then I've got various others as well. You know, for instance, David Southern, who used to be the MD of the MSP that I worked at, uh, and, you know, a few others like Roger, you've mentioned. So there's quite a few really around that peer group that I can lean on, uh, get a real good, honest answer, real good, honest material off them. Uh, and then maybe work out, OK, so five people said this, but here's some slight differences across all five. Why, why is that? Uh, and I think that's very beneficial. And, you know, the value that creates, you, you just can't do it without them relationships. Yeah, some wonderful names you mentioned there. And and just to confuse listeners, we haven't had Mitt Patel on the podcast before. Uh, the Mitt Patel that we're talking about here, who I was a member of the peer group with, you were as well. But we have had another Mitt Patel who also runs an MSP in London uh, <laughs> on the podcast before. So it's one of my uh, goals, actually, Darren, to get both of the Mitt Patels on the podcast and also maybe get a photograph with them both at the same time. But there, just to confuse people, two Mitt Patels, both MSP experts, all, both in London and both really nice guys, as you've said as, as well. So uh, there we go. <laughs> um, where do you go to say cur- to stay current, continue your learning? I know you're a, you know, a student of the industry. Are there any resources you can share with our listeners uh, that that, they'd find useful yeah i mean i'm still in the peer group uh you know still around that peer group and and keeping up to date with that and there's a lot of information that comes from there Uh, and also our partners you know typically what i find is uh we build a relationship with our partners where we get told everything and there's always a small percentage of that that I actually didn't know. You know, a little bit what you just said there, Richard, you asked that question and there's a little percentage of today's session that you think actually that resonates with me. Uh, and then I think the other thing is is books. Uh, but I, I'm a very poor reader of books, but I travel a lot in what I do, consulting. So we're doing a lot of traveling. So I tend to do Audible. Mm. Uh, and I'd say a really good book that's come across recently that's really got me to think about marketing and sales in a different way is the um, $100 million leads by Alex Honazo. I think he's, he's, he's do his last name. Okay. Uh, and I think he does it in a really good way. He's actually brought out another book, which is the $100 million offers, which is the first one, 
but I read the second one first uh, and he puts it in a really good way. So I think, you know, it's keeping open to all the information that's out there. Uh, you know, a lot of these books have got similar type of structure behind them, but there's always that little nugget that's slightly different for somebody else. And that book's done by somebody that actually built uh, a gym franchise. Oh. So it's it's services like we are, but not IT services. So there's some interesting links there, but also that's B2C, not B2B. Uh, but there's some good structure there on what he did, and he failed a few times as well, and he talks about that in the book. Uh, so I think that's a really good book that I've not heard many people talk about recently. And that was Alex Hanaza. How do you spell the surname there? Have you got it? Yeah, so the surname is H-O-R-M-A-Z-I. Got it. And the book title again was? Is 100M dollars leads 100 100 million dollar lead so we'll, we'll include that in the show notes for the benefit of listeners so you'll be able to go to sublog.co.uk and see uh, not just that book but everything uh, that darren has mentioned all the links all the resources we've talked about as well uh, darren before we go i've got to ask what do you get up to in your spare time when you're not building msp businesses and making them world beaters yeah, it's an interesting one because actually one of my mentors is he's big on it. So normally one of his first questions is, you know, what's your personal life balance? Mm. Because he knows that that can actually create a lot of problems. So yeah, that's one of our problems in IT, isn't it? You know, we can do 24 hours a day if we wanted to at any mm. location because we can get on and do anything. Uh, so mine, it, two things, well, three things I should say really. So one obviously is the family, spending time with them. Then uh, I'm I'm a very big uh, gym goer, so mm. fitness side around gym. Uh, that is a, probably the main place that I don't engage with IT because I, I stay focused in you know in the gym and, and keeping that going really. Uh, and then I've always had a motorbike, so I'm quite a big motorbike freak, uh, and I spend quite a bit of time on the motorbike again in my own head and my own space. Yeah, great. Almost like a meditative, isn't it? Getting out there. I'm not a motorbike person, but go out cycling, go out walking and things. And it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? You just turn off the world and uh, focus on what's in front of you. Yeah. And actually you'll come up with some of your best stuff. You know, again, it's, it's a little bit like the, the the sentence of working on the business. You've got to give yourself time to work on the business. Um, one of my mentors, Mitt Patel, he, he taught me a, a couple of years ago now to schedule out time in your diary, at least two hours a week to actually just sit there and think. Yeah. And that's when you're working on the business. Otherwise, you'll just continue to firefight. Yeah. Well, Darren, this has been a fantastic conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, I know there's going to be people listening to this who you know really want to continue the conversation with you, find out more about Scalable MSP, how it can help their business and that. So if anybody listening did want to continue that conversation with you, um, where can they find you online? Uh, yeah, so scalablemsp.co.uk is, is our main website, uh, but we have a big presence on LinkedIn as well. So you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, yeah. Darren Strong. Uh, we put a lot of information out there to, uh, as a go-giver to try and educate. So if, if you link with me on there, you'll see a lot of information. Fantastic. And I'm going to say, I think it was Mitt Patel who originally introduced us. Was that the case, Darren? Or It, it did... was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there we go. I've got to get Mitt on the podcast here. I'm going to send him a... Uh, I'll help you. Quote, a picture next and say, hey, Mick, come on, it's long overdue. I've only known the guy for like 20 years, so it's about time he came on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, Darren, this has been a thrill. Really good to get to uh, to know you a little bit more. Uh, hopefully I'll see you out on the um, on the, on the the roads a little bit there and events uh, into um, 2024 and beyond. Yes, definitely. I'll look forward to it. Thanks, Darren. Thank you. Bye-bye now. 
Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.